Oh, God. What's wrong, Mike? Uh, nothing. Just life. Life sucks. <laughs> life is great. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have to move three times in almost a year and a half, so... Of course I don't. And yeah, don't don't ask me if I've listened to Harem because I fast forward listen through it because it's just not a subject I care about. But I did listen to like the first ten minutes and then I said, "Up, oh, let's skip through this and see what they're saying." It's just not a subject I care about, so I kind of listened to it. Okay. And it's kind of you know it's kind of like you know picking and choosing the best episodes of a certain cartoon and just only watching those and or watching or listening to episodes that you know actually. I either know about or have interest in listening to, and harem anime just wasn't one of those things I was that interested in. We bring up boobs every now and then. So. <laughs> well, yeah, it was yeah, sucking breasts for power. That was like the best part of the whole episode is that you mentioned that, and Kitty Hawk was like, "Well, you're, you're going to have to tell me about that in a minute." <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was the series he was talking about. Uh-huh. It sounded like the kind of series he would like, and I was right. Okay, well, let's get this show started. Let's get this train on the road. Let's do this. Where are we where we're going? We don't need roads. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados. I am your host Ben and we're joined by my co-host TV's Mr. Neil. Okay you guys, it's time to go crazy go nuts. And uh, we have a special guest, uh, TFG1 Mike from uh, uh, This Week in Geek and GeekCast Radio and other things he does. Yeah, GeekCast Radio Network is the main one. That's the one that I actually operate. The things this week he does. Geek, well, I'm just a fixture on the wall. He, things he does to and with himself. Uh, no. So uh, tonight we're talking about the DC Animated Universe movies. These are the ones that uh, are in continuity and a couple that sort of touch it but aren't really in there. Uh, let's start with the one that started it all. The one that is at the beginning of the whole craze. Uh, the one that the only one that was in theaters. Yep. And sadly, it bombed. We're talking about Mask of the Phantasm. But the uh, the DVD sales more than made up for it. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it's important to note that yes, it did bomb the theaters because number one, I don't think it had enough marketing behind it. Number two, there was still a stigma about cartoons that weren't called Akira going into theaters. Yeah. <sighs> let's you know, let's but... hear Leo's thoughts on that first. Yeah, Fuck go ahead. Hero. There. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about it, e- even the marketing back then and the marketing now, I mean, the 15th anniversary of Man- Mask of the Phantasm just passed a couple of years ago, and they did nothing for it. They didn't give a DVD re-release. They didn't do anything, and it's like, wow, really? The DVD box I got was one with the flappy cardboard front. The flappy front card. Uh, the- right, yeah. What the fuck, Warner Brothers? You you know the ones the ones that they give the, to the cheap DVDs not even a full clamp yeah. yeah. case it's yeah it's like uh, Rudy Tunes back in action has that <laughs> yeah well that one deserves it Aww. it deserves it Neil yeah but but yeah the, but, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah my version of Mask of the Phantasm has the flappy front 
actually my my version of the Superman movie had the flappy front too. The animated movie, which was actually the first three episodes, it's a a lot of flappy fronts. Actually, the first releases of most of the Batman the animated series before they did the box set were all flappy fronts. Right. You keep saying flappy front, and it kind of it gives a different mental image than I think you're. Well, what do you call it? I would just say cardboard case. Yeah, it's a cardboard case. Yeah. And they did that a lot with... Warner Brothers did that a lot with the other DCAU films as well because I, I know we don't really count this because it was the, the last three episodes of Justice League Season 2. Star-crossed. They, they, they cut together Starcrossed as a film. They put a completely different... like Opening. Opening and closing. The closing theme is completely different. Because it's so much slower than the regular Justice League theme, but even that has a has, has a cardboard case for for the release. I actually have that and the season two, so I feel like I sort of bought it twice. But I think they have slightly different extras for both, so it's they kind do, of... and that's and that's one of the greatest things about the individual separated DVDs. Uh, look at um, World's Finest when they uh, cut that together. That has specific features about that film on the individual DVD. Right, and like that's where you learned that when Superman was first flying them out of the building, it was actually Batman that flew them out when TMS first did that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what makes it worth it for an aficionado and a collector. Those little notes that they don't like record again in the second commentary. It's like. It's this treasure trove of weird geek info that just makes it so worth it. Right. And see, for me, honestly, going back and watching the movie versions of them, of, you know, the Batman Superman movie and Starcrossed, I almost wish they would have taken away two episode commentaries from the DVD sets and put movie commentaries on those movie releases. Well, it depends the on the whole thing. It depends on it depends on how they do it. It just it just works. I I think that, you know, they should eventually comp, comp, compile and do a real compilation of all the commentaries on a master box set eventually. But they don't really care that much because the marketing they do for the box sets is shit anyways. I mean, usually once you get a complete series, you're done. I mean, especially nowadays with Blu-ray, I'm sure once all of the Justice League individual season box sets, get Blu-ray releases, we'll see a Blu-ray complete series. But, I mean, usually when a DVD set gets a complete series, that's usually it. Unless some sort of, you know, milestone anniversary comes up. Uh, Getting back to Mask of the Phantasm, I first saw this, uh, I think, at the time, because I was was a child of the state uh, in my youth, and uh, at one of the group homes we had rented it, or somebody had bought it or something or other on, on VHS, and I had seen it, and I just absolutely loved it. It was great. To me, I, I rented it at a at a Blockbuster because I just saw it, and I was like, they made a movie of Batman the Animated Series. I want to see it. So I, I, I rented it, and I watched it, and I loved it. And, uh, you know, this is a case where they actually had, uh, they had uh, Don Yang and TMS do the animation in the movie. And this is a case where you can actually see where TMS was drawing down and Don Yang was trying to do their A game. So it was, it was a good mix where it had a near consistent consistency, which is kind of hard to do when you do, when you do a mishmash like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the animation overall was, was just amazing. I mean, I don't think I've, you know, in the in, in the many because I've got it on iTunes, and the many time uh, times that I've watched it in the last couple of months, I don't think I've noticed any animation flubs in it. 
there weren't any flubs, but there were lots of like little clever hints that they put in there. That's that's one thing that they love doing, like yeah. uh, the whole battle in in the city model. They uh, you know Batman passes a building that has the Warner Brothers logo on the side, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean they always put homages like that in in in, in animation. I mean especially with the, the the DCAU. I mean they they put all kinds of stuff in there. I mean just look at Justice League when Flash did his you know commercial days. And then later, the light speed bars showed up uh, in Hereafter. So, you know, they always do stuff like that. Right. Uh, another thing I remember is, I remember Roger Ebert gave this a glowing review. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over at Movie Week in Review, which is our movie podcast. You're going to talk about how you don't like Roger Ebert? In the, in the <laughs> you know, the, it's, a running, it's a running joke. Every movie that we have talked about on, on MWire over there at GeekCast Radio... Every movie we've talked about and loved, he has hated it, and I, I just so I do you, just, so you hate the uh, Mask of the Phantasm, then? Good to know. No, 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 no. I did. How, how did that translate into Don't me hating Mask of the Phantasm? I'm just I'm playing with him, dude. I'm just saying that every movie that we've done so far in in our movie review podcast over geekcastradio.com almost every single one roger ebert has had something he's had a negative review of it or whatever and and, you know this is stuff like die hard lethal weapon you know stuff like that you know um and it surprises me that that guy can give anything a glowing review considering he is such a negative nancy on almost everything he's really not quite that bad i mean sometimes his uh sometimes his criteria seems strange but other times his criteria is quite interesting because he because he likes to say is okay if if it's a if it's a stupid car chase movie is it the best goddamn stupid car chase movie ever then yes he gives it a thumbs up which is kind of funny but uh, you know Roger Ebert is a big lover of Bruce Timm's work I mean it's just really funny that uh, that you have this guy that would interrupt a review just to talk about a Bruce Timm animated movie that was you know that perform poorly and talk about how great it is and nobody listened to him yeah nobody listened to him when he went on his video game rant either so (laughs) but anyways uh you know critics you know critics that get paid to to review movies whether it's roger ebert whether it's someone at you know uh, time magazine you know they're they're gonna have certain opinions either way and but they're getting paid for it and i i just don't care what you know if I the way I look at anything, if I look at it and I like it, I like it. If I look at it and say, okay, well that's there, then I'm just indifferent to it. Or if I look at it and I hate it, well I'll hate it. It's just interesting to note that that a, a major reviewer did give it an ac- the accolade it deserves, and I think that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It is very much so. Um, and I don't see why this did that poorly at the theater because you I, would, I gave you the reasons why bad marketing limited okay, release right. and and people afraid to see animated movies in theaters not called akira or made by disney well uh there's something wrong with people then. well it's it's true yeah. even even don bluth proved this once when he when he did thumbelina he showed it to two different test audiences, one where it had a Don Bluth Presents, another one where he did a Walt Disney Presents, and the and it was the exact same goddamn movie other than that. And the people who saw the Walt Disney Presents, Thumbelina, gave it a much higher rating. Yeah. Uh, 
I really don't care about Don Bluth. The only film that he ever had anything to do with that I actually like is Titan A.E., so I just don't give a shit about that guy. Why does that have to go into it? Because I'm just telling you that he scientifically proved that there is a stigma against animation, animated movies that's not made by Walt Disney. Well, in that case, you would have to argue against DreamWorks and Pixar and all those people. Well, that came out in the 90s. That was years later. Okay. That was many all right. years later. All right, all right. Um, yeah, and that's that's fun. You know, in the 90s, that's that's what it was. But still, what I'm saying is, though, at the time, look at how popular Batman the Animated Series was. You would think that a lot of those fans would want to see Batman the Animated Series, movie, whatever, on the big screen. Regardless of if everyone else just felt, oh, it's not Disney, we don't care. Well, number one, it would require parents to take them to it. Number two, you have to remember, again, once again, limited release. We're not talking... We're not talking like a major, major release. We're talking limited. We're talking, yeah. we're talking that you know it was in select theaters. We're talking about there was only one commercial I saw in my childhood for it. Oh, another thing is that uh, the adult audience for animation is, was not then what it is now. So that's at, true. At the at most, you had like young twenty-year-olds going to see it, and uh, the rest of the audience was begging their parents to to take them, and yeah, that was going to happen. Saying no. So, like well, we'd I said, rather, we'd rather take you to see this Joel Schumacher piece of shit. God. Oh, my God. We'll get to that. When oh, we get yes, to, we will. We will so get to that when we get to the next one after Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, I love uh, that because it, because uh, we'll get to that. But, yeah. yeah. But like I said, that's, that's exactly what happened. They only ran one commercial for it, for the theaters. And then they didn't run any more commercials for it. It was a one-week release in my area. So, limited release. One theater only had it in my area. So, yeah, the reason why I didn't perform very well was because Warner Brothers wasn't really backing it. Yeah, It's as simple as that. You know, they weren't giving it... You know, I'm not saying they had to give it the exact same marketing uh, budget that they gave, say, The Dark Knight. Because that'd be fucking loony. No, I'm I'm saying that they didn't toss any of the... any marketing budget at it. I mean, they were basically like, okay, we'll just sort of run one or two commercials, you know, at in the areas where it's running. And then they're like, okay, oh, it didn't perform well. Imagine that. We shouldn't do this again for a while. Yeah, yeah. In a way, it was a necessary casualty to get to get the animation market to appeal to adults. I mean, they, they kind of had to beat their way into that market. Yeah, it was a necessary, a few necessary casualty, but like I said, it's undeniable that it did not perform in the box office the way they wanted it to, because it, it was a budget of $6 million and it returned <laughs> $6 million. So it, in studio's eyes, that's a loss. Yeah. And the yeah. DVD and the VHS sales, well, more than made up for it, but... But, you know, they aren't looking at that as the reason to make these feature-length right. animated movies. They're looking they're looking to do gangbusters at the box office. Right. And I think that DC and Warner Brothers have found their niche with, I know we'll, we'll, we'll get to this uh, much, much later, uh, not today, but uh, in future episodes, they've found their niche with the DC Universe animated original movies where they're just direct-to-DVD. And, you know, as you guys said, it's more so nowadays that, that people are watching this stuff. 
But, um, yeah, back then, it just wasn't going to happen as far as in theaters, which is kind of sad, because, like we've said so far, this movie is great. It was really great, and uh, it uh, had the opening with some early CGI, but it was just a, it was just a cityscape CGI, so it's okay. And they had a nice choral opening, uh, uh, you know, the Shirley Walker's music, again, amazing. Oh, yeah. And a lot of a lot of it. A lot of the notes that uh, Mask of the Phantasm touched, like what Bruce Wayne was doing before he came up with Batman, where he just had a, on a hockey mask running around. <laughs> this was actually something that uh, that later on, I don't know how... He how, was wearing hockey pants. It, later on, it dripped into what... Uh, what actually yes it did it dripped into the uh Batman begins because what because when Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne first met Gordon he was wearing pretty much the same goddamn getup <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong You're not wrong It happened so yes it does influence I don't know if it was like a drip through like five other comics like, until it got there or it just ha- happened that that was something that that uh he saw and liked and decided to put in the movie. I leave that up to speculators, but it's there. It's there. It's a connection or not a connection. I let you decide. But right. uh, Mask of the Phantasm, it's a recommendation all the way through. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, now, what do we think of the story overall? Story's very good. I, I think it's a very nice story. I, I think that, it, like, like I've said before, it's based off of a combination of Year One and the never-released Batman Year Two with the Reaper. Right. Which was never released, but year two had a very similar story about a villain called the Reaper that was killing mobsters and Batman had to stop the Reaper. And it turns out, you know, he thought at first the Reaper was the father of the girl he was dating and it turns out no it was the girl. That was the idea for the comic. And then they decided to adapt it for the animated Mask of the Phantasm. Right, yeah. I mean, you know the what I really love about this, and I know a lot of comic book people probably love about this, you see this really, really creepy guy in the flashback scenes, but they never really say until Batman actually draws the face. They never say the guy's name. They never really mention it. Turns out, the Joker. You know, I'm glad they never named him because that's part of the mystery of who the Joker is. You don't want to give the Joker a name and a backstory yeah, I- because the Joker's whole thing is he keeps on reinventing himself. Exactly. In the in the and the and he likes to make his own he, reality out of fiction. So that's that's part of the appeal of who the Joker is. Yeah, but like I said, I don't want to. You know, people who haven't seen it by now should watch it fresh without us going through the story too much and dissecting right. things. Yeah. No, I mean, do you guys, Ben or Neil, do you guys have any issues with the overall story at all? Not really. No. no? The only one that I kind of got confused about until. Batman in the story actually said what happened was the point of the phantasm shows up before we see Andrea on the airplane, and then of course at the end Batman's like, "Oh, you flew in early, and then you, f- and, then, and then you flew back out or something or other." I don't know. That that was kind of weird to me, seeing the phantasm before we actually saw her. Well, it's it's one of the first things that every criminal does is make an alibi. Yeah, that's true. So let's move on to the next movie. We're going to talk about Sub-Zero, which is actually on Neil's uh, favorites list. Yeah. And uh, Neil actually likes this more than Mask of the Phantasm because there's a scene where Barbara Gordon is jumping up to, to an air vent and he sees a brief panty shot. 
I didn't say that. I think someone else commented on the panty shot, and I was like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like this, because it, uh, it was taking the, the Mr. Freeze uh, storyline and really doing something with it, and doing, doing something that was basically uh, giving the middle finger to Joel Schumacher. Noticing and it came out one year after Batman and Robin, and did a much more touching story. And, not to mention, it also had... A- you know, I have one slight to it. It's at the beginning of the movie. Horrible, 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 horrible CG with the with the goddamn submarine. Oh, the submarine coming up out uh, from the ice. Yeah. yeah, that was that was Spider-Man the animated series bad. Oh no, it wasn't that bad. It was no, 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 no. no. So it, you're saying Spider-Man the animated series? I love Spider-Man the animated series. The submarine CGI was not as bad as the Spidey uh, 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 City swinging CGI. No, it wasn't. Be perfectly square box buildings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the only thing for me with, with Sub-Zero as far as slight, uh, it's not really a slight against the movie, it's just a personal preference of mine. I don't really care for the chick that voices Barbara. In, in this. I, I like Tara Strong's version better. I gotta be honest, I like the original Barbara Gordon voice better because it's it sounds a little bit more... I love Tara Strong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I love Tara Strong. I just think that uh, the original Barbara Gordon voice has a quality that's you know, that's a little bit more attractive, a little sexier, a little rougher. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I still love Tara Strong's Barbara Gordon... I just like the original one more. It's you know it, it's it's like the difference between uh, Pepsi and RC Cola. The original was pl- the one in this film was played by Mary Kay Bergman. Okay. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you guys said, this you know there's no freeze puns in here. There's no I'll be cool, back. Cool and, party. Take yeah. two of these and called me in the morning. Yeah. Oh my God. And I'm so, like, I actually posted on Facebook that I was watching this uh, a couple days ago, and one of my people that's on my friends list started making freeze puns. I'm like, no, shut up. This is not fucking Batman and Robin. This is Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Completely different. Um, and like you guys said, they made Mr. Freeze a tragic character. They well, humanized them. Versus yeah. being just a jewel yeah. thief that is in a room that's half cold and half warm. Yeah, yeah. Pow, Sam, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I gotta say, between these two movies, I, 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 I think it's more this one than it is Phantasm. Uh, and it's actually Batman the Animated Series overall. I prefer this Batwing over any of the Batwings that they would use in future, you know, Superman Animated Series episodes when they did crossovers or Justice League. I just prefer the old-style Batwing that they used in Batman the Animated Series. It's so much nicer. Well, the, the, the reason why was they had to simplify and streamline the design quite a bit, so that was why that it changed. So I understand the change. You don't have to like the change. You just have to understand it. No, I mean, I, 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 I like the other ones as well. I just I prefer this one because it's like I can see Robin hopping out and running across the wing to jump down to save somebody. I can see that. Some of the other bat wings that they've used in the cartoons, you couldn't really do that with that. Um, what was your favorite scene out of this, Neil? Uh, well, to tell you the truth, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, 
I only remember like a couple days ago that we were even planning this episode. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I don't really have a time to get to, to get to get it again. So um, I'm trying to trying to remember back. Uh, I I just I just have like a general memory of uh, of just what what they did with Mister Freeze and uh, um, just the way that they uh, they didn't make him a corny character. And, uh, they... Yeah, I think I much prefer uh, Richard Grayson and Barbara. Gordon rather than Bruce Wayne and Barbara Gordon, which is later in the continuity. Yeah. I don't know. I just think the whole thing with the two of them, it was it, it was just played out a lot better. And we don't really see Bruce and Barbara, but it's alluded to. Uh, not in this movie, but later. Um, yeah. And I just like scenes. I think my favorite scene with... Uh, with Dick Grayson out of the costume was when he was cha- when he was like here take my Corvette he hopped on the guy's bike and he went chasing after the thing and then when he got to the toll booth he jumped the toll booth I thought that was fucking awesome wow every time that Dick Grayson got on a motorcycle it was Akira time <laughs> but uh, don't say that <laughs> the, I would recommend Sub Zero it's it was it was it was released uh, as direct to VHS layer, direct to DVD. And what amused me was I was watching an episode of At the Movies, and they were doing like a they were doing like a showcase of the Batman live action films. And then they actually were talking about uh, you know Batman and Robin. They actually stopped the review of Batman and Robin to talk about Sub Zero, and they were praising the hell out of Sub Zero while mocking Batman and Robin. Roger Ebert and <laughs> Bill, and. Uh, Siskel, it was Gene Siskel and Roger Eber were doing this, so it was really funny. It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Take a deep breath. Relax. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. I think the next ones we need to talk about are the really bad ones. I think we need to save the really, really good one to the end. No, we, we should talk about the next one. Oh, God. You have no All sense right. of climax. I yeah. like I like, uh, but cr- we should talk about the bad stuff before the really good. I want to stuff. talk about chronology before we talk about. Uh, so, Return of the Joker's next, and I, you know what? I'll just say it. It's uh, I like Batman Beyond overall as a product, but I actually have an issue with uh, how damn dark they had to make stuff get just to, to get there. And uh, you know that's why I always like Batman Beyond as a possible future, not a set in stone future, mm-hmm. because. This movie gets pretty goddamn dark. Well, that that was the point. I, I'm not saying that that wasn't the point. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that that's what it is. Well, what I was going to say was, from listening to the commentary on the DVD, when uh, I believe it was Bruce Tim that said that, you know, in because this was made in between season two and season three of the series, um, or it was made in between one of the se- in between two of the seasons. It was either between season two and season three, or season one and season two. Um, he actually says they wanted us to do something. You know, Batman Beyond was 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 kind of dark, but it's more so Terry's story. And Terry is not Bruce. Terry is a a comedy type of Batman. As far as he he talks to his villains and he has more more quips and more cheesy punchlines and stuff like that. Whereas Bruce Wayne just you know powers on through and defeats his enemies. Um, Lady, you're giving me the creeps. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> oh god. You, I kissed her. Uh, we do not need to talk about out of the past. Holy crap. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. But what I'm saying is compared to the series to this. I had to uh, give you that I had to give you the heebie jeebies. Yeah, stop it. Uh you know, they wanted to go really, really dark and have this really, really big story for Batman Beyond, and that's what Return of the Joker is, and it was just amazing. It's one of the best animated movies ever. In my in my opinion, anyway. Well, like I said, I I still like it for what it is, but at the same time, I it it's just it's just this overwhelming. It 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 sort of overtakes you. It's uh, the darkness overtakes you, and uh, the the one thing that sort of cuts through that darkness is the shot at the end of an elderly Harley. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Nana Harley. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that sort of cut through all that darkness immediately, like a knife, like. Okay. And, and see, that's the thing with some of the DC movies, uh, more so with some of the episodes that they cut to be movies, specifically uh, with, with Harley uh, and World's Finest. At the very end, the comedy scene of, of her going back to jail and, and Mercy laughing until it actually hurt. You know, that's that's the same thing. Well, she Harley wanted a cheese sandwich. Yeah, I know. Harley has always been that type of comedy relief type of character so i mean it it, it worked um, she puts the fun in funeral <laughs> <laughs> oh man and i think another light part of, of return of the joker is for those people that may not have been watching batman beyond the television series you can they actually reminded people that terry has a family terry has a mom he has a brother so that was a little bit of a light part of the movie as well Right, I would say that I would still recommend watching it, but at the same time, it would, it you know, if you're not prepared for it, it will it will drag you down. I guess. And uh, there again, this is another movie where it's uh, the animation duties have been shared by Don Yang and TMS, and again you have TMS drawing down and Don Yang drawing up and trying to meet in the middle. But mm-hmm. I think here, you know, the TMS scenes are just that much better that you can still tell. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the thing we really need to bring up with this uh, is that there were two different versions of this movie. There is the TV version, and then there is the uncut version. Um, the uncut version was too violent for television, so they had to recut it and redo it uh, as far as some of the scenes in this. And the biggest difference is how Joker dies. In the made-for-TV non-type of violent thing, he electrocutes himself. And the other ones, he gets shot in the heart. He gets shot in the heart by Joker Jr. Who's Tim Drake, yes. Yes. Well, the young Tim Drake, yes, still. Um, the voice cast in this, just amazing. The fact that they got freaking Al from Quantum Leap to voice the older Tim Drake, Dean Stockwell, that was amazing. Yes. But, you know, like I said, it's it's still, uh, you know, if you're not prepared for it, it's... It, it's a whammy, and uh, you know I'm not always a guy that likes to watch horror. You know, these these really dark stories. So I always prefer Beyond as the possible future, not the set in stone future. And I like the fact that Tim always says that it's not the set in stone future; it's a possible future. And because I don't think even he wants to tie himself too much down onto one set story. The one. The one thing he did tie himself down to, and this is something he actually said, regardless if it's set in stone or not, as far as if this is the actual future that happens, 
Um, the one thing that he did tie down is that Batman Beyond happens 50 years from whenever now is. Yes. It's, that's just that's exactly like how there's a Joe's Crab Shack near where I live and it says free crabs tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Uh, Neil, you don't get any, it, do you? Any thought? I'm just ignoring you now. Any thoughts and anything else you want to talk about for Return of the Joker, Neil? Uh, not a whole lot, except that the it really it really made the the Joker kind of a a lot more creepy than he really was in the series, and that that was oh kind of, yeah that was kind of neat. But, uh, uh, another note from uh, from Bruce Tim on the commentary, they were actually saying that. Uh, for Mark Hamill in the studio, Mark came in and was like, "Oh, hey guys, okay, the Joker, okay, I'm," and he went to do the whole manic, really, really funny, you know, laugh out loud Joker. And Bruce is like, "No, Mark, we need you to tone it down. We need you to make him darker." Um, and apparently, Hamill didn't really like that, but he did it anyway because <laughs> <laughs> he likes the manic more than the than the dark version. Um, overall, you know. <laughs> If you're a fan of the DCAU and not someone who's coming in fresh to it, everyone will love this movie for for what it is. So now let's move on to the crap, I guess. Yes, uh, let's start with the first piece of crap. Let's see here. The first piece of crap, of course, is uh, Mystery of the Batwoman. There is one scene <laughs> that's good in this where Batman breaks into this uh, mob boss's penthouse and is searching around and a guard that he beat up earlier in the movie opens the door looks at him batman just looks at the guy and then the guard says there's no one here <laughs> yeah that that's that's pretty bad actually <laughs> no, no i that was the only good scene uh i don't know that's it's kind of like the one gripe, and I, I know I'm going backwards here a little bit, but if I had any gripe about Return of the Joker, it's in the flashback scene when Batman and Joker are fighting. Batman's looking right at him. He watches the Joker pull a knife and lunge and stab him, and he just intentionally gets hurt. I'm like, Batman would never do that. Batman would have blocked it, regardless of what well, emotional stuff he was going through. The biggest thing um, is the knife in the leg was supposed to be how the elderly Bruce got his limp. Oh, uh, okay. All right, all right. So, yeah, um, but Mystery of the Batwoman, it's just, oh, my God, just horrible. Yeah, it was, uh, first of all, I watched the commentary before I watched the movie just because I had a sinking feeling. And, mm -hmm. then, and then when I hear, we're, we're going for a Charlie's Angel feel, I'm like, fail! Fail! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the first thing. Fail! Yeah, okay. And then they had the, uh, and and then they had this uh, stupid Batwing thing that they ride on that was like looks like oh we stole this from Oscorp. Yeah, that was so stupid. And uh, and they took the badass voice that Bane had and told him you have to sound really really Mexican now. Uh, it was two completely different voice actors. I know, but that's what I'm saying. They they, they, were, they were like, you have to sound really, really Mexican now. I'm not saying it's the same voice actor. I'm saying that they took the badass voice that Bane had and said into a guy, you have to sound really, really Mexican. That's not Mexican enough. So they turned him into a luchador. Bring him some burritos! Oh, my God. That's messed up. And then, well, that's what happened. I know that's what happens, but I'm just saying that's that's a little messed up. And then they had... They had this whole this whole like three part plan where all three of them want to take down the villains and 
it just really didn't work. It was it wasn't a very good movie at all. And they had this stupid scene with Barbara calling, hitting on Bruce, and Bruce is like, "I'm driving through a tunnel now." Oh, and see, that's where everybody gets the whole thing of them having enough. I mean, it's you know, I mean, Barbara in in Return of the Joker pretty much kind of acknowledges it that that they were together in there. And there's another scene in, in another movie where. Bruce is going. I, I think it's in actually not the movies. It's in. Um, I think it's in Out of the Past at the very end. Um, yes, it is. He's looking at pictures of women he dated, and he looked at a picture of Barbara. Right, and it's one of those things where holy crap, are you serious? Um, yeah, Out of but, the Past. I thought we weren't going to mention that again. Well, we're not going to mention the creepy stuff. <laughs> the thing was it. after the reveal was when they were doing all these really tight butt shots. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Joel but, Schumacher but, but, in charge but of this? what I'm saying is the the scene in Mystery of the Batwoman of of her calling him going through a tunnel that, now that kind of sets up the fact that oh they're they're dating now or whatever which is so stupid. No, most of it is uh, what I did like again was, were a couple of nice scenes of Tim Drake just training in the Batcave because I sort of like that portrayal of Tim Drake where he was nice and studious and training. See my hugest my my biggest problem with Tim Drake in this movie is it's in not Matthew, it's well that but Tim Drake Robin in this movie is not voiced by Matthew Valencia he's voiced by Eli Marinethal or whatever the hell the kid's name is or the guy's it name is it wasn't a bad portrayal but it wasn't it wasn't any bit powerful and again it, he didn't have any yeah. any real things to do in the role either the only reason i would recommend ever buying this dvd is to laugh at the commentary where you hear them talk about this charlie angels feel and how it was a great idea and be laughing at them oh and also there's this whole jazz number thing where batman's chasing catwoman that's better than the whole movie yep so who is on the commentary track for those things i don't know anymore you don't, you don't know who these people are no, it's not Bruce Tim or Paul Dini or Alan Burnett or Dwayne McDuffie or. I'm actually looking it up. I don't, I don't even think it's Glenn Murakami. It's, it's, it's the Cartoon Network janitor. <laughs> oh, Sam Register, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> actually, let me check Amazon. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie, the 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 plot sucks. Um. The voice acting is okay. The animation is meh. It's 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 lower level of average. It's not. It's yeah. Not, well, it's it's meh. And uh, it, it's it's bled to the bled power. It it's oh fair. Oh yeah. Average. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I no. I'm I, I'm I'm agreeing. Yes. It, it is just. Meh. This is not something I would spend eight ninety nine on it at at Amazon. No, the the jazz the jazz chase number is good, but not eighty nine eight ninety nine good. No, not at all. Um, and I'm looking for special features, and it's not listing these special features. What the hell? Does this DVD come with a flappy front? Yeah. Yes, it does. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's funny on Amazon. It shows you. It shows it as a regular DVD. Ca- oh, the, this version on Amazon is an actual regular DVD oh. case. But yes, the copy I had had a, a long time ago. It was a a flappy a front. Cardboard. See, it, it was, shouldn't it even be that. It it should be like a cardboard sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> no paper. That's what it should be. It should be like it should be like from a Netflix paper sleeve. Yeah. Oh with, with the sticker of the name of the movie on it. And it, 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 please don't steal me, but we don't mind if you do. Yeah. Did you steal this copy? Yes? Okay. 
you're punished enough. <laughs> yeah, there, I don't even think there is a commentary on this, Ben. No, there is. There is, because I remember that it's not a commentary as much as a making of feature. Oh, yeah, Behind the Mystery. Yeah. Yeah, no. Behind the Mystery, it was Kevin, Kevin Conroy was on there. Uh, Andrea Romano was on there. Um, Alan Burnett was on oh, there. Oh, it was Alan Sorry. Burnett. Yes, I, 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 I remember watching it now. But when you said commentary, I'm like, wait. Well, I, I apologize for that. No, 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 that's fine. It's, it's not a big deal. But, like, but like I said, I just remember I was watching the first, in the first two minutes, you have, it was Alan Burnett actually saying, we were going for this Charlie Angels feel, and I'm like, fail! Yeah. Uh, Crap screamer! <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, it was just not very good. And then Batman uses uh, Silly Putty to defeat uh, Spanish Bane. <laughs> Magic Nano Silly Putty. Oh my God, that's horrible. How does how does he defeat Bane with it? Does because he... because they set it up as a MacGuffin that one of the scientists, which, which was one of the three Batwomen, was using this magic Silly Putty that when you put electricity to it, changes to a predestined shape. So he, he threw the city Silly Putty at Bane and then uses electricity to like turn into a rope or something. I, I don't know. You have to see it. Uh, I thought maybe Bane wanted to. Uh... Uh, make copies of the of the comics in the newspaper with it. <laughs> Mike, you can describe yeah. that scene better than I can. Uh, no, I can't because it's been a it's been a number of years since I've seen the movie. Uh, but I know what you're talking about. It yeah, it's it's some sort of silly putty thing. Um, but yeah, as much as I like Hector Elizondo, Bane should not be Spanish, or he he should not have that much of an accent. Uh, amigo, see amigo. Yeah, I think they even had him say "see si, amigo." Yeah, I shit you and, not because I could said... imagine him rolling his eyes as he was saying it. Yep. <laughs> the only voice actors that reprise roles or do anything that is from the um, from the actual Batman the Animated Series: Kevin Conroy, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Bob Hastings. I think Tara Strong for yeah, the cameo Tara Strong. because she was just in the building that day, anyways, doing something else. Yeah, Tara Strong's there. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the guy that plays, um, Bullock. Well, Bullock's always there. Robert Costanzo. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move. I think it, you know, it doesn't hurt continuity, but it doesn't help either. It's like the eggplant of the movies. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't even, I didn't even know about it until a couple of years ago. I found it on Columbia house DVD club. I didn't even know. I was like, what the fuck is this mystery of the Batwoman shit? I didn't even know about it. I love the uh, fact that she has lipstick on the goddamn mask. <laughs> no, I will say the the Batwoman costume in this, I did like that, but that's about it. And you know what? This Batwoman actually has a leg up on the comics Batwoman because she has more going for her than I'm a lesbian. <laughs> really, so if you if you look developed, if you look up any of the press about when they were re- talking about releasing uh, Miss uh, Miss Kane, the bat, the new Batwoman. If you looked up any of the press right before her release, all they were talking about was she was a lesbian. That was, that's clear, all they had. That's all they had going for her. Just to be clear, we do love love lesbians here at Animation Aficionados. It's just, we do. We we, we, we like we like lesbians who are developed characters. <laughs> and that's well, right. they they had they had her dating a lesbian that was a developed character. Oh yeah, that's right. And I have an issue with them turning Montoya into a lesbian as well because it felt like, oh, we just need a lesbian in the, in the DC ca- in in the Gotham cast just so we can have one. Oh, let's make Montoya a lesbian. Yeah, that's easy. I'm not so bothered by that. But then again, I am a pervert. So 
<laughs> but like, uh, oh, let's. Yeah, I, I like Montoya, so yeah, I approve. Let's move on to the last one. I am the last. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Before we even get to the last one, oh my God, he's like, I like Montoya. I, I approve. The first thing I thought of was, what happened if if Montoya and and Maggie Sawyer got together? Oh my God. It's it'll be like world's finest lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. Tell me, tell me, I'm wrong. Oh, you're yeah. right, you're right. See, that's exactly what it was, was they were feeling pressure because Maggie Sawyer's a lesbian, and she's a cop in in the Go- in Metropolis, so Gotham needs a lesbian cop as well. It's all sort of clicking together now, isn't it? Yes, and now on to the worst one, the one that is not even in continuity. Said, by the, said by the producers. Superman Brainiac Attacks. Let's break out the Tiki Torches! Oh my fucking god. This one is going right into the Apocrypha. Oh yeah. You guys should almost have done this episode before the Apocrypha so you could have put it in there. Uh, no, we were talking about series, not movies. Yeah. That's true. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, oh my god, bad. It was, the animation was crap. It was actually animated by Lotto Animation. Who's, oh, our favorite. You might ask? Lotto is doing the current Avengers cartoon. Okay, yeah, let's move on. We don't need any, <laughs> I'm just giving, any Avengers references. Yeah. I'm giving examples. And, and, and you have this whole scene. Oh, my God. I, I can't even go through chronologically, so I'm going to pick cherry-pick the worst moments. You have this scene where you have Superman going into the Phantom Zone to grab a rare plant to save Lois. And, and you have this horrible thing where the Phantom Zone apparently, like, Shows you your wildest dreams and sort of tricks you into staying or some other bullshit, which the fan zone in any continuity is not like that at all. And you have Danny Delaney doing this horrible, horrible, come back! Okay, well, I mean, regardless regardless of how bad this movie is, I can never say a bad word about Dana Delaney. I love Dana Delaney. I just think that she phoned it in. And I don't blame her for it, because the lines were... <laughs> I was going to say, how can you blame anybody for phoning it in on this? <laughs> I, won't, it's, it, I won't ever blame a voice actor for phoning it in when the script is absolute shit. Yeah. And this script is shit. You have, you have break out the tiki torches. You have all these horrible other scenes and lines that just sort of... <sighs> Neil, have you ever seen this shit? I have not seen this one. No. Uh... Turn on Cartoon Network once in a while, and they show it a few times. I've seen it on Cartoon Network a couple of times. Every time I turn on Cartoon Network, fucking Hole in the Wall is on. <laughs> like, oh, what is I'm, this oh, shit? Why is there live action on Cartoon Network? Fire! Because all of Cartoon you. Network is now live action and animation. It's turned into Nickelodeon. Pretty much. Yeah. Nickelodeon turned into Cartoon Network. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, as far as the producers on this one, Dwayne Capese, Margaret M. Dean, Kurt Gaeta, Kyle Jolly, and Sander Schwartz. Uh, which, the only two that I really recognize is Kurt Gaeta and Dwayne Capese. Or Capese, or however the fuck you say his name. Yeah. And, yeah, Tim Daly coming back for this. Tim must have needed a, As much as I love Tim Daly, he must have needed a paycheck. Wings he, just he, ended. He needed to make rent. Wings just ended. <laughs> oh, that's a low blow. <laughs> that's a low blow, Ben. I could bring up some movies he was in. Yeah. Um, now, I, I have to say, normally, I do not say anything bad about voice acting. I'm sorry. 
they should have gotten fucking Corey Burton to play Brainiac. As much as Lance Henriksen is a great voice actor, uh, oh, God, no. They should have gotten Corey to do Brainiac in this. You know what? The whole thing was they thought he would do the Bishop voice. Odd. But, uh, uh, it, you know what? At least he wasn't promising to bring the funk down. Oh, I knew that was coming. Oh, God. I'm just going to ignore you and move on. There's not much uh, else to move on to because that's, that's, that's all the movies, dude. No, I, I know. But no, I mean, no, I meant move on with Brainiac Attacks because, again, I think Powers Booth needs to stay an ape. Just Powers Booth is Lex. I was like. He could do it if he had the right direction and didn't have shit lines like, let's break out the tiki torches. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um,. But other than that, um, I think the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up for this, because it does tie into the movies, is these soundtracks for um, Mask of the Phantasm and for Return of the Joker. Uh, again, amazing, amazing stuff. You had some good stuff in uh, Sub-Zero. I mean, you had some nice jazz numbers. Yeah, well, right, but I'm specifically talking about the soundtracks that they actually released so we could hear the music without the sound effects. Um Yes, they did release Batman the Animated Series uh, limited edition disc, two disc set, but that was just for the cartoon series, just for the animated series. But the actual uh, CD that um, Lava Land, or not Lava Land, uh, La La Land released for Mask of the Phantasm was just amazing, amazing music. I'm actually surprised that they got uh, Cassandra, Tia Carrere from <laughs> Wayne's World to do a song on this. Um, but yeah, and the, uh, Return of the Joker soundtrack, again, just amazing, amazing stuff. Um, I love that, that theme that Christopher Carter did for, uh, for, for the opening of Return of the Joker. But like I said, we shall see what happens with, uh, you know, the DC anime universe is dead now. It's, it's, uh. Yeah, they they've moved on to other stuff. I know. I, I'm just saying that it's dead now, and uh, there there's not going to be any future movies. But you know what? I think it's best that it died before it got mangled, because that's what happens when things go on too long. When the original people leave, you have someone else come in that don't know what the fuck they're doing and ruin it for everybody. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like what I found out completely unrelated. It, it's related to what you just said, but it's unrelated to the DCAU. Uh, they're changing up 25% of the Law & Order Special Victims Unit cast now, so, yeah, that I don't know how long that show's going to last now that, that Maloney is not going to be on there, but... He was the same best part. I know. Well, he couldn't reach a contract agreement is what happened. So, anyway, um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've, they've moved on, and when we get to... Uh, I actually brought this idea up to you guys because uh, you guys said you were going to be doing the DC Universe animated movies eventually, that we would... Um, I brought the idea up of crossing over with uh, my other podcast, Tooncast Beyond, because we are actually going to cover the first eight eight or nine movies, uh, and those will be crossovers with you guys, uh, so that way you guys can get some of those movies talked about, and it's just one movie per episode, so we can kind of go a little bit more in-depth on each one. Um, and I like that they've done, that they've gone away. I, as much as I miss the DCAU, I'm perfectly happy with what it is, and I'm perfectly fine with them going on to do other stuff. It had a pretty good run. I mean, it, it outlasted the Game Boy, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it outlasted several consoles, 
<laughs> and it outlasted Marvel Animation. Yeah, I had to Several throw that incarnations in. of Marvel Animation. Well, it, it's important because that is their direct competition. Yeah, I know. I, it, that, I'm just saying to, to to Blanche because he doesn't seem to think that that's an pertinent <laughs> point. Is a, just there as a slam. I just I like Marvel Animation for what it was. That's all I'm gonna say. I like the nostalgia of it. You know this, Ben. Yeah, Whatever. nostalgia is like fighting an orange man with a pillow. Oh, God. It's full of a lot of feeling, but it's going to be like a feather touch. Anyways, um, is there anything else we want to talk about for DCAU? Kind uh, of, I mean, you guys are kind of putting your uh, a period on it with your coverage here. So, I mean, well, is there anything else? I don't, we don't like to spill too much in it. We want people to really experience it. What we want to give is our own feelings on it. And right. let them let them know if we recommend it or not. And really, I think we recommend the ones that are worth seeing. And the thing is, the two bad ones are so bad. I might actually recommend you just seeing it just to laugh at how bad these are if you can see it for free. It It's so bad. They're, they're both so bad that they swing around to good. No, they, they're so bad that you have to see them for free. Oh, okay. You don't pay a dime to see these guys. I mean, see, the thing of it is, is I don't even count... Mystery of the like, like I said a set, you know earlier, I didn't even know Mystery of the Batwoman existed. I don't even count that or Brainiac Attacks. I, I don't count it. I, I pretty much for me, the DCAU movies are, and I know two of the two that are two that I'm going to list are are just cut together. But it's Mask of the Phantasm, Sub Zero, Return of the Joker, uh, Batman Superman movie, which is essentially World's Finest, and Starcrossed. That's that's it. That's what the DCAU movies are to me. Um, and I think anyone who likes superheroes will like these movies. They will like what Bruce Tim and 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 his team and and all those people did with, you know, Batman the animated series, Superman the animated series, Batman Beyond, and Justice League. Um, you know, yes, there are a few episodes here and there of each of those that kind of suck, especially like um. Oh, what was the one in Batman the Animated Series? I can't stand. The one with uh, Maxi Zeus. Uh, that one sucks. I mean, there's a few bad episodes here and there, but I mean, most of the stuff well, is if awesome. Well, if you have a, a body of work that's overall about 500 episodes, you're going to have about, you're going to have some bad ones. That That's just something that's unavoidable. Yeah. Yep. But overall, like I said, you know, I would recommend the first three and would not recommend the rest unless you can see them for free and are in a good mood to laugh. <laughs> uh, I just wouldn't even recommend the last two. The first three, everyone must see those, but I wouldn't even I wouldn't even recommend the last two. What about you, Neil? Pretty much the same. I would recommend uh, uh, the the first three and well, I I'm only going to speak for 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 uh the bat the batwoman one i have not seen anything of uh of this uh what was the name the of only that? thing that was really interesting about that was chase me but at the same time it wasn't that great it wasn't that greatly produced uh chase me is just kind of like a thrown together type of thing but that was pretty much the only reason why i actually even bought the dvd back when i did just for chase me yeah so you knew about the uh about the I shit. About, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I read the, the 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 description of the movie before I bought it, and I'm like, eh. I just want it for the special features. And again, that's why I bought the other movies. Um, like, um, 
I bought the movie versions of Starcrossed and World's Finest because not only did I want to see them again, but I wanted those additional separated special features. Okay. Well, I think overall we have a good feeling on it. Uh, so th- these are the movies that are touching continuity. The rest of them definitely don't. Funny story on Crisis on Two Worlds, but we'll get to that when we touch it. But overall, that's that's how we rate them. Uh, this is your host, Ben. And TV's Mr. Neal. And TF2 and Mike from the GeekCast Radio Network. All yeah, right, and we are saying goodnight. Over and out. Uh. Perfect.